0: This podcast is part of the ACAST Creator Network.
1: Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.
0: But how good have you got to be at football, right? <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> if, if this was a sign, like, how fucking good have you got to be... <laughs> To create that scenario, he's not played one game. That's how he's done it. Like this. <laughs> he's played from 79 <laughs> to 92. <laughs> if he's going to go down, go down in flames. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome back to that conspiracy episode today uh, with me, Peter Crouch, Chris Stark and Statman David with me as usual. Yeah. Um, I worry this could be a controversial episode because the the
2: second you start peddling conspiracy theories, it can get you in all sorts of trouble. And other podcast hosts have really suffered from this.
0: Yes, but we are not confirming this is our opinion. We're just portraying news yeah, and conspiracies and two sides to every story and make of it what you will.
2: Yeah. Okay, well, we're going to get into it properly. It's all based on... Uh, something that we said we wanted to do on the podcast, which was get to the bottom of lasagna gates. Mm, This famous incident that happened in football uh, involving the alleged poisoning of a lasagna, uh, which had consequences that rippled throughout football. This podcast is now a a hard-hitting investigative podcast, Crouchy. The
3: thing is,
0: it evolves at any given moment, this pod, doesn't it? And I think at this time, um, we're investigating something, you know, perhaps quite sinister or perhaps... Um, it was a case of mistaken identity and it didn't happen. But you make up your own minds. What we have got is we've gone to the source. And I think, I didn't mean that um, as a pun. Yeah, the, be- um, the bechamel sauce. <laughs> you know, we went to the source. Um, someone who was there on the day, someone who was involved in the making of the lasagna, did it happen or didn't it? We will uncover that all today.
4: Yeah. But Crouch, you were talking to your ex-teammates who were saying that it's some of the worst issues they've ever had.
0: Yeah, bizarre. You know, I, I obviously played. Um, I joined Tottenham just after it, but um, you know, Jermaine Genus Robbie Keane, um, you know, players Michael Carrick who really suffered uh, on the eve of the biggest game of the season um, to get into the Champions League would have been massive for the club, and they all got food poisoning or poisoning of some sort. Yeah. So it's a conspiracy that you know needs addressing, and um, you know we've got the exclusive on it.
2: Yeah, and uh, that is going to be coming up a little bit later in the podcast. Um, so excited for you guys to hear our, our chat. It's a very serious one, we should point out. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. Serious we, topic. It's a very serious topic, Crouchy. Uh, so we thought we could do an episode leading up to that about some of the other conspiracy theories that there are in football. You're going to hear the word alleged a lot in this episode. Um, but in case we forget, because we've had a couple of pints and we're likely to, uh, anything you hear in this podcast is is alleged. And hopefully this warning right now can just round everything off in case there are lawyers or angry snowflakes
4: yeah we found this all online we've not done enough research so it you know it's just a few things on the internet basically
2: yeah um how are you boys uh,
0: before we get into it anything to report i'm good i'm good um no i've been you know quite excited for this for this podcast um what have i been up to this week not a lot yeah I um, had parents evening i had to deal with that uh which is always an intimidating experience mm. i
2: guess Crouchy It's not too dissimilar To being called Into the manager's office
0: Yeah No no, it's not It's not Yeah Power
2: plays and everything
0: And Yeah
2: Shit sandwiches As in like You know Good news Bad news Good news Child's very clever Child's really good Shit in maths um, You know uh, But they contribute A lot in class That kind of thing Uh, Yeah I like that
0: It's it's pretty similar To mine really You know know, (laughs) Academically weak (laughs) (laughs) But um, Quite chatty Yeah (laughs) And, and polite, which is all you can hope for. <laughs> yeah, really. <it> is. <laughs> yeah.
4: So Lads, I'd like to start off with maybe a conspiracy of my own. So I was in a uh, European country having a great time in, in a nightclub at the, you know, the early hours of the morning. On entry to the nightclub, number one, there was rules that were written. And one of them was, if you got too drunk, you go and visit the happiness stand where they had sweets, water and oranges. Right. W- was I getting played here? Um, interesting
0: what, what, what do you mean in the club in the club
4: and so you go and have
0: a, like a time out almost
4: go and have a timeout. you eat a satsuma and then get back on the dance floor interesting wow so like half time oranges in, in a nightclub this is what they had in Belgium
2: an incredible place nightclubs do funky things sometimes <laughs> I remember uh, when I used to go out in Jester's in Southampton sort of legendary place I don't know if you've ever been there no, in, no. In, in your Jesters, time no, it
0: probably. would
2: have been there proper student yeah. uh, but I mean like I remember Proudly Hot shit. In, in Leisure World. Yeah, that's not there anymore, Oh no, sadly. Shame. Bamboo, Jumping Jacks. And... Jumping Jacks, <laughs> yeah, it's good nice. times. <laughs> in, um, <laughs> in Leisure World. In Leisure World. I mean, there was, like, if I remember right there, there was a, at the time you would have been there, It was an icon and diva. Mm, um, that's right. And also, I think, a, a strip
0: club as well. But you, were in, you yeah. were in Jumping Jacks. Yeah, so. I was in Jumping Jacks yeah. at all times and um, <laughs> great um, I was like, remember yeah, just, it, was, yeah. it was a student night in, in, in that one and I always remember like I was a young player at about 23 22, 23 at Southampton and Klaus it uh, was about 30 he found himself in the um, in the student night in Hot Shots like on a Tuesday quite often yeah
2: <laughs> I found that a bit mad <laughs> Why not? You've got to make the most of your time.
0: Good times. cheap drinks,
2: you know, good dance floor, good people. If you're going to join Southampton, you need to be uh, in or or around leisure world. Yeah, yeah, it's the place to be, isn't it? Um, But jesters, the reason I say it is there used to be a guy, and I always remember being in there battered and confused when a guy would walk around selling fish. And, and a nightclub wasn't an appropriate place to do that. Was it a cockle it like man? Yeah, yeah, the cockle, cockle man muscles. used to
0: come around pubs a lot. In Southampton? No, just in general. Oh, I, I right. remember on a Friday night, I used to play for West Middlesex Colts. We used to drink, in, my dad used to drink in the White Lodge Club. I'd have a black currant and lemonade. And uh, the cockle man used to come around and to the various pubs. It used to happen quite a lot. Yeah. And you'd just buy like cockles. I got food poisoning once off it. Yeah. But um, God, it's oh, very feel, poignant.
2: food poisoning episode really, isn't it? <laughs> Um, But the, yeah, I always thought it was an odd move, especially as it's a student nightclub for the fish guy to be going around. But he must have been getting decent business. For want Mm. of a better phrase, he's kind of fishing, isn't he? He's there, Mm. but like with humans, it's almost reverse fishing, isn't it? You've got the fish trying to
0: lure in the human. I mean, it's dead, but all the same, it's kind of an interest. Also, you know, there's plenty of people in nightclubs that are after um, cockles and mussels. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Surprising, <laughs> and I don't know if it happens so much anymore, Dave. But
2: going back to your sweet thing, yeah, compared to the fish, it, it's not that. We've mental, gone better, it's... Yeah,
4: it's probably got a bit further forward. Now the satsumas can provide a bit of vitamin C, you're going to feel better the next day. But I always remember Jester's being very sticky. Yeah, was that the fish then? No, that was that was just
2: the the vomit and the uh, semen <laughs> and the um <laughs> and the piss. <laughs>
0: Lovely. <laughs> I hope isn't going anymore, is it? <laughs>
2: oh, it's going. Oh, it's still going.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, oh. They're doing, they're doing great guns down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we'd, I'd love, I'd love us all to go. Well, let us know if you visited recently, and if there's any any cockles or mussels going, or no, is nice. it now? Is it moved on to the water and um, oranges? I, or, or if you're just in any pub around the UK where where a fish man appears, and just
2: after a few drinks, what exactly is going on? And I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not sure if the the cockle guy in Southampton is 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 still doing his his thing. Um, but if he is, we wish him all the best, obviously. makes
0: yeah. sense in Southampton because you're close to the coast. But um, you know, I'm not sure in Isleworth where I was getting it. <laughs> it was the, was the right... You and I assume like it was blend. a different
2: cockle person. Um, just before we get into the heavy conspiracies, can I just burden you with a, a sort of... It's not quite a conspiracy unless you try and work out what the agenda is behind it. But it's a rule change that I've been reading about uh, that's going to happen from July the 1st. I don't know if you boys know much more about this, but... I think it's quite relevant to this podcast. So, from July the 1st, IFAB rule changes uh, have prevented goalkeepers from taunting during penalties. Seen this, yeah. Have you seen this? So, just to break that down goalkeepers cannot touch goalposts and nets, they cannot uh, delay execution of a penalty. Um, They cannot unfairly distract the taker, which I think is massively open to interpretation now. And they uh, cannot exhibit behaviours that fail
0: to show respect. What is the actual point of being a goalkeeper now? Uh, In what (laughs) (laughs) sense? Sorry? Well, if you can't shit out on a pen, what is the actual point mm, of being a goalkeeper? Solid
2: point. I just think it's putting too much there's too much on a goalkeeper now it's almost like they don't want him to save him you're not allowed to leave the line which I always think is a bit iffy because it's challenging to, to dive sideways yeah. right and they don't seem to control how many steps you go back in taking a, a freak or how long you piss around with it or anything like that but from a goalkeeper's point of view if you can't shit house what what can but you imagine
0: do? bringing in a rule though that uh, like, only because of one man like Martinez, all right? Well, he's the picture. On this tweet. That, that dance, right? <laughs> he's the picture. Hey, Martinez, right? Obviously, shit house in the World Cup and rubbed a lot of people up the wrong yeah. way. But it was part and parcel of the game. Like, I, 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 I don't like all this um, when people churn up the, uh, the players are churning up the, the, the uh, penalty spot. I don't like, um, you know, getting people's faces. But man on, man on man, I quite like. I quite like the... The, the, the psyche between the taker and the goalkeeper. Mm. Like, I don't like when the other players get involved too much. Well,
2: I wanted to ask you about that bit of it as well because I've noticed, and I noticed this with England, if Harry Kane's going to take a penalty, and I've seen other teams do this, and Dave, I don't know if you've noticed this change yeah. as well, the person who's going to take the penalty steps well away from everything, like well away from the box. Mm. And then the enforcers come in and protect their spot. So I saw Luke Shaw go in And I can't remember who Mm. else it was, but it was, you know, one of the harder bastards in our Mm. team. And um, they sort of protect the spot and deal with all the arguments and everything. And if you watch, you just see Harry Kane on his own, almost just concentrating on what he's doing. He's not getting involved. Mm. And then when the ref has then cleared everyone away from the spot, the enforcers leave. And then Harry Kane comes in and it's all kind of smooth
4: process have you spotted this as well Mm. so it's something that Chelsea I think have brought to the Premier League I think it's been happening around Europe and the idea is to really free up the penalty takers mind and make the opposition think that somebody else is taking the penalty, so the housery is aimed at that player, and then Harry Kane walks in and slots the penalty
0: home. Yeah, yeah which, I, which I get, but I mean, I, I mean, it's getting a bit much, like this kind of housery around penalty taking. Is, for some reason, it seems to be 22 players around the penalty spot now. Like, so, it never used to be like that. There used to be an element of respect, an element of respect, an element of gentlemanly conduct, um, and there's not, that, that seems to have gone out the window a little bit. But I think between the goalkeeper and the, and the, and the player, there, there needs to be some sort of... It, it, it's a battle of minds, isn't it, mm. a penalty? Like, we should always score a penalty. But that kind of psyche of getting in there, it's been going back to since the start of time. And I think you do lose something if you can't do that.
4: But then, the, so the keeper can't do anything now, but the attacker can still do the hop.
0: This is, what I'm saying. is that fair? It's everything's aimed
2: towards... And it'd be interesting, as always, to hear from goalkeepers uh, and their point of view in this situation. Because obviously, we've got a striker... <laughs> Uh, 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 About uh, name above door on this podcast, but it does feel it's all weighted towards. There's nothing that's improving the working con- conditions no. of a goalkeeper. Yeah,
0: I agree with that. I, I you know, like you know, my thoughts. Um, you know, I'm fully in the Skyers Union, but I, I, I don't think that that seems to be very fair. There seems to be a lot of restrictions put on on goalkeepers, and and they're in a position where they. You know, they, 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 it's a lesser percentage that they're going to save it than score than, than the striker score it. So, you know, to take more away from them does feel a bit harsh.
2: I'd also like to know what the rules are technically. I mean, it's a proper um, uh, like technicality if this can or can't happen, but I don't think it's ever been exploited in football. That if someone digs up the spot, are groundspeople allowed to enter the pitch and perform <laughs> maintenance on the spot? Or on the spot, <laughs> or the spot literally. <laughs> and can they be called off the bench the same way as a medic could? To mm. and the dream for me would be Titchmarsh, yeah, off the bench. You know, he's going to be worth Brit- a lot of money now, Chris, in the market. gardener, unless someone younger and news uh, in, in, on it. Now I don't know. It's my likely,
0: my but... issue now, though, with, with with the groundsman, especially, is like you We're we're talking about conspiracies now. You know what if Titchmarsh is an Arsenal fan and Harry yeah, Kane's on the yeah. pen, right? And and you've employed Titchmarsh, he's the best gardener you know. Then what does he do? Does he come in and throw a weed in there?
2: Grant, <laughs> you've got ground force <laughs> as your groundsman, there planting yeah. what. He you know, Dim- on Charlie I don't know what but Dimmock's there and then uh, you've got Titchmarsh and then you've got that hard bastard it was the hard was <laughs>
0: one it? it was the big burly <laughs> one that does
2: the guard. yeah you know? I'd, uh, I, can't, I can't was it Tommy yeah. I think it was yeah I think it was I always right. remember he was a bit of a legend I hope he's well I I, I, I yeah. don't think I've heard from, from him for a while we
0: just called him Tommy have
2: we <laughs> <laughs> but he wasn't like what the hard mean? bastard he
0: was, wasn't, he? wasn't he it's Tommy Walsh Tommy Walsh yeah yeah. I don't know where we're going with this. No, but... <laughs> I'm just saying the idea
2: that you could bring ground force off the bench to go deal with the the spot a penalty spot would be fucking amazing
4: to watch, wouldn't what, it? What about if you can only do that once a season? So you've got a ground force card and they go around the, the ground and you go, uh, right, this is the time.
2: Yeah. But when I see these IFAB rules and how they change and what makes them decide to change, I do think like if, if all of these are technicalities that can or can't be exploited and we're talking about little things in football, goalkeeper intimidation, I guess they call it, whereas we just call it shithousery. <laughs> um, any technicality that can be exploited, I think should be looked at as a tactic, whether or not you choose to use it. I'm simply saying, if people piss around with the spot, are you allowed to bring grounds
0: people onto the pitch to um, deal with it? It's well, something to look at, isn't it? It's something to ponder. Um, you know, <laughs> We're trying to make our game better. Mm. Um, they're trying to do the same. I'm not sure. I think they've gone too, too many lengths there. I think they've gone a little bit too far with that. Right, should we get into some conspiracies? Well, yeah, let's dive into the conspiracies. Well, we're not sure of a few conspiracies ourselves. And, you know, Parch went on for a long time, didn't it? Um, who hit Harry Redknapp? You know, it's yeah. like Who Shot oh, Phil? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that was something on a previous podcast, wasn't it? You know, where, you know, Who Shot Phil went on for ages. But, I mean, Who Hit Harry? Yeah, and you're right. We had a whole
2: podcast all about
0: uh, the, the
2: revealing of Parched. Uh, whose identity up to them was unknown. Who parched is? Who
0: parched is? As Pepe Reina said so so eloquently.
2: Yeah. Okay. Great. So, there's big conspiracies in football. Shall we get into them, Dave? Talk to us about
0: conspiracies, mate. What have we got? So
4: I've been I've been racking the internet for the for the a few good ones. We have got one with you know some water, but want to start with the World Cup final '98.
0: I remember as well. Very so
4: well. Brazil France World Cup final. Um France absolutely hammered Brazil winning 3-0. But there was a little bit of controversy around R9, a shadow of himself on the pitch.
0: Have you heard any theories around that? Mate, it was like a soap opera. I remember watching it live and uh, remember saying, right, Ronaldo's out. And there was a there was a weird kind of like vibe around it saying he's had a maybe a fit uh, in the team hotel. So they've had to take him out of the and, and I was a massive Ronaldo fan, like still am. Uh, just loved watching him play. And I was absolutely gutted that I wasn't going to see him in the in the World Cup final. It had been unbelievable, the whole World Cup. And then to not be in the final, I was absolutely devastated. And then 40 minutes before kickoff, he was like named in the team. And I remember the just the news channels, the TVs, everything just went nuts. It was like Ronaldo's back in, like what's happened? I was really happy about it. But then he was right. disappointing in the final. And, I, and, and there's so many conspiracies as to why why this happened? R- run us through them,
4: Dave. So so back to the, the situation. So uh, Ronaldo reported to have a convulsion um, in that situation. But weeks after the match, obviously, Brazil got hammered 3-0. A civil lawyer got involved in Brazil and demanded answers of what happened before the game. So what we've got there is Brazil had lunch in Paris and they arrived back at the team hotel. And according to Roberto Carlos, Ronaldo broke down into tears and said he was scared of what a head,
2: A massive game, massive right? match, massive tournament. Yeah, but Big Ronaldo, final. Ronaldo, hes played in, he's played yeah. for all
0: the biggest clubs in the world. Like. He was
2: ma- imagine the fame of that guy. The, the like everyone had his boots,
0: well. R nines. Like it was, he was beyond. I suppose the pressure. Like I look at it, like even with Neymar, and you know that it, the, it's sort of like transferred to him now, isn't it? That kind of pressure of a. Of a nation that is so football oriented. Huge He would population. have had huge pressure in, but I can't imagine him saying he didn't want to play in a World Cup final. Mm. That's what, they, that's what the reports have come. So, moving on to four o'clock, um,
4: Ronaldo had the seizure before the game when the team were eating. Uh, the team doctors thought the best thing to do was to pretend that nothing had happened. And um, when Ronaldo woke up, his teammates demanded that he was told. So, he was told what would happen. He went to hospital for tests, then removed from the starting lineup. Um, to go to hospitals and have the test but then 40 minutes before the game as you mentioned Crouchy he arrived at the stadium and the manager put him back in the starting 11.
0: So this is how I understand it like he had a seizure of some sort he went to hospital but he must have declared himself okay to play and then they thought it's Ronaldo we're putting him in.
2: Yeah because are you allowed to submit a team that late or did they just submit the team anyway in the hope that
4: well, we don't know that, do we? So there's a couple of conspiracies around this, right? There is, yeah. Um, number one, sponsors such as Nike allegedly forced Ronaldo to play as they'd done a world record sponsorship deal and didn't want Brazil to appear without their Starman.
0: Right. Is, okay. is, is this something that you can you could see?
2: So these are all just fans' theories about
0: These
4: this, are right?
2: alleged fans, theories, theories that we
4: found online right. that aren't the views of the podcast. Fine. Okay. Well done, Dave. Well done. (laughs) Conspiracy number two: Ronaldo was drugged. Oh god. Oh god. (laughs) (laughs) We're fucked. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) As part of a plot to make sure the Brazil star striker wouldn't play. Okay. I wonder who that was by. Well, you know, as we said before, ate some food in Paris, playing France in the final.
2: Okay. I I hope you're not insinuating anything, Dave.
4: (laughs) No, I'm not <laughs> insinuating anything. I'm just stating facts. We're just putting facts out there. Well, <laughs> be
2: very careful. Conspiracy number three,
4: Dave. Number three Ronaldo had medical conditions that he hid his entire career. The doctors gave him painkillers, which only made things worse. God, I don't really understand that one. Conspiracy four. The Guardian have speculated, the Guardian have speculated, not the podcast, that Brazil were bribed in exchange for millions, that Whoa. they've thrown the match to get an easy draw for the next World Cup and will be able to host the 2014
0: World Cup. Well, if you're going to sue anyone, sue the Guardian. <laughs> <laughs> so, hang on, explain Don't Conspiracy Don't throw themselves four. out there. <laughs> explain Conspiracy 4 then. It's, so why? So,
2: okay, let's imagine for a second that, it was not in your interest to to win the tournament, right? Why would that be? I don't understand, because you come second.
4: like So they come second, so they lose the final, and they'll be able to host the 2014 World Cup.
0: Oh, of course, because France can't do it twice in a row. Yes. That's a, that's a mad one, that. I, I can't see anyone throwing a World Cup for... Well, there's so much I want to say now as well. well. No, I know no, you've, no, you've, no, you've made me scared to no, say no, it. No, no, no. Don't worry. Don't, I, think,
2: I, think, I think, we don't worry. I think the thing is, is right. So going by that, literally what's said there, they would have had to have paid millions. And really, what have they done? They've removed just Ronaldo. Actually, if they were really paying millions and there was some sort of transaction, you would get the You would do it in family. a different way. Yeah, you wouldn't just take hold. Arsenal's team out. Yeah, you wouldn't put it on one player and you like. But he was not that so, good though. What do you mean he
0: wasn't... He was that good, you know, like... Oh, he you know, was take, that good. Take him out, I feel like you got yeah. a, a much yeah. better chance. I mean, I know it was a good Brazil team, but Ronaldo was special. Um, um, okay, well, I think none of them we can sort of form an opinion on. I mean... Well, the way I was told it when it happened was uh, I remember he had a seizure of some sort and then he got back into it and he didn't play very well because of... I imagine, you know, and there was lots of people heaping on that it was a pressure. I did hear something about, you know, the, the sponsorship side of things as well, but that was yes, obviously all is, a conspiracy.
2: Yeah, which of course was a theory that you found online, Dave.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found online. I quite like the drugged one.
2: Great. <laughs> Just
4: like because. So it we're co- going go, to that, we're it gonna it go We're going to go with that. that. Oh, it coincides with another theory that I found. Another theory, another conspiracy theory. We're the... moving on from 98. We're moving on from 98. Uh, I actually... don't know. If I'm
2: honest, just sorry. Uh, just to round off that. I don't know what conspiracy I think is most likely there. feels like there's a fifth option which hasn't been thought of. Okay. Um, but I definitely don't want to be the source. It'd be, it'd be
0: but... nice to hear from Ronaldo. He asked me for a picture once in... Um in uh, Ibiza so and you didn't uh, think to run him through all four uh, conspiracy theories he didn't, right? I, he didn't I was in yesterday that, that was oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> should we move on to the next conspiracy theory then Dave
4: yeah so this one is known as you found as, this one interesting didn't you Dave? I, I love this one I, I'd never never heard of this one before the holy water scandal any ideas of what might have happened no, no. so world cup 1990 Argentina versus Brazil a big one you know, massive game. And what was reported by some sources, obviously not our sources, is that Brazil left back Branco, drank some water that was given to him by Argentina physio Miguel de Lorenzo after he was going on to help one of the Argentina players going down. Gave him a water bottle. Two days later, Branco complained about feeling sick and dizzy after drinking the water, the water he believed to be tranquilizer laced.
0: Is it, that's come from Branco, like, himself. That's come from Branco himself. Argentina went on to win
4: the game 1-0. Diego Maradona assist.
2: You see, where I thought you were going with this initially, Dave, was um, someone has been given uh, some holy water, they've drunk it, and you're insinuating that that is a form of doping. You know, It's powers. not normal water, is it? Yeah, it it's, <laughs> has potentially some sort of uh, miraculous... Uh, thing that could, it might that might happen around it, and I thought what you were saying is that would be the conspiracy theory is that someone has drunk some holy water has gone on to have an absolute, you know, unbelievable ten out of game. ten, like I'm I'm real game, un un mm. like freak of a game, and they were putting it down to the holy water. What you're saying is actually a player was given some water. And it's felt ill. It's not dissimilar to like the lasagna gate. He could have felt
0: ill like off anything though, couldn't he? Like he's, he's blaming the water. Mm. How do
4: we know? So the match was played in June in the afternoon. Temperatures around 30 degrees. Yeah, well. But there is more to this story. It goes a little bit further. So Branco obviously was a little bit annoyed. You know, spoke to a lot of people about it. He then bumped into Argentine defender Oscar at the airport in Rio de Janeiro, who said to him, so this is the Argentina defender, oh, Claudio, Claudio Branco, that was a good trick we pulled on you back in Italy 90, wasn't it?
0: That was, that was his quote. Who's confirmed wow.
4: that? That is confirmed via the internet.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Poisoning isn't really a trick, though, is it? Like, if it was, if it was some uh, sort of laced water, that's not so much a trick, is it?
1: Selling a little Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.
0: Yeah. That's just poisoning. <laughs> That's not it's not yeah, it, it feels like you could get down for that. Yeah, <laughs> It's not like houser or anything, is it? Not really, it's right? not really Housery. It's, it's completely cheating. Yeah,
2: it's completely cheating. So I don't know about that one, Dave. I, I, in terms of conspiracy, it sounds to me that um, he was ill, but... Um, it's weird for someone to take the credit for it.
4: Can we go further? Go on then. 14 years on from 1990, Maradona was on Argentinian TV and admitted that the accusations were true. The Argentinian bench did indeed have a special water bottle that was laced with rehypnol.
0: Oh Okay. My God. Yeah. Seriously. And, uh, this is what it says on Mar- the internet. Maradona confirmed that. <laughs> on TV. Um... I can't believe that. Yeah, You're, you've
2: not seen this in the Premier
0: League. I haven't seen that, no. <laughs> no. No. Christ almighty. Uh, well, yeah, it's true. I mean, uh, unbelievable, but you know. <laughs> have you seen this one from Barcelona? I mean this is what like the Barcelona one. I mean I don't I don't want to say it. I'm perfectly let Dave, with, let Dave. I'm
2: perfectly happy with Dave's done, Dave's done them all so far. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, we're we're
4: all right. <laughs> <laughs> Right, well, um, not the not the in for a penny, David.
0: <laughs> or Chris
2: Three's the magic number on these. Allegedly.
0: If you're going to go down, go down in flames. <laughs>
4: Allegedly, during an El Clasico match, Lionel Messi he was this. sending the Syrian rebels a message on how to smuggle guns into a gun <laughs> fucking hell. No,
0: you're no, finished, no, Dave. No, you are no. finished. No, no don't worry. it's
4: I don't... got nothing to do with me. This is I... allegedly from the internet.
0: Do you know I've seen this one? Right, I've seen this one. If <clears throat> you Google this? There's pat- There's a pattern of play that is sending messages to the Syrian rebels.
2: What? What do you mean?
0: Well, read on, Dave.
4: So they're talking about a goal in, in said El Clasico match. Um, and, a, and according to the theory, the goal starts with Iniesta, which is said to signify the guns being unloaded in Lebanon. Then he gives the ball to Messi, who dribbles from the halfway line, which signifies the route the rebels should take and the obstacles they'll face until they reach the city of Dea El Zuar. Stop, stop there, Dave. So the way
2: Messi dribbles with the ball and the pass is, is the route. So the way Messi goes with the ball on the pitch is exactly the route that Syrian rebels need to take. That's the theory. But the, that's the theory.
0: The last bit here, finally Messi passes the ball to Pedro in the six yard box who scores, which apparently means to send the arms by bus to the final destination of El, of Al Magadin where they could be unloaded. hell. But how good have you got to be at football, right? <laughs> Seriously, if, if this was a sign, right, how fucking good have you got to be <laughs> yeah. to create that scenario of a map? How good at football have you got to be <laughs> to be able to
2: play a genuine game of football against an opposition? Score a goal. Score a goal and also be sending messages to Syrian rebels. How have the Syrian rebels got the Classico as well on the box?
0: Are they... They've been told this also, is the day to watch. Also, why in the, why in the El Clasico? Why don't you just do it against you know Getafe? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean like Ramos might have something to say about it? You know what, yeah. I mean? <laughs> what what happens if Ramos has cleaned him out on the dribble? <laughs>
2: then what happens? The message is ruined. You don't it's... know. You don't know what that translates in the in the real world, do you?
0: Well, I don't know where I am after the water anyway. Now, so mean.
2: Gosh, for a podcast we've broken new ground today. Don't shit yourself though, Dave. I think you're all right. I yeah. think I'm all
0: right, yeah. Should we move on to another one? <laughs> this South American player's quite interesting. Oh, yeah. Carlos Enrique Raspozo? The Kaiser. Tell me about him, Crouchy. We well, had a 20-year career in football without playing a single match in his career. Legendary story, this, in football, isn't it? I'm sure there'll be loads
2: of people who haven't heard this one before.
0: Well, it reminds me of, the, of, of George Weir's, Weir's cousin or Ali Dyer who, um, you know, pretended that he was his cousin and actually got a Premier League match in um, and had no prior football experience whatsoever but managed to dupe him. (laughs) But yeah... uh, tell us the story of the Kaiser. The Kaiser uh, charmed influential people at football clubs, showed them fake a CV as well as doing the same with journalists, players and staff until he got rewarded with a new contract. He even managed to convince some clubs such as Flamingo to re-sign him. If there was ever a risk of having to play a match, he would use a dodgy dentist to say he has a mysterious infection. He would also pay players to injure him in training and fans to chant his name. So he's he's paying fans to sing his name (laughs) and players to room in training once amongst the players he would party with them ex-world cup winner Babetto said if you let him open his mouth that would be it he could just charm you he's <laughs> one guy. of these people in 1988 he moved to a small club which was owned by a gangster who became frustrated with his lack of game time so the manager was ordered to sub Kaiser on in a match Kaiser found out about this so he jumped the fence he jumped the fence and punched a fan in the face. After the game, the chairman met Kaiser and Kaiser said the fans were abusing the chairman. Clever. As, the re- as a result, the chairman gave him a new contract and doubled his pay. How mad's that? So, unless I misunderstand
2: this bit of the story, which I don't quite remember, he's punched a fan in the face to get out of playing the game, which is obviously a terrible thing to do. You're going to get put in front of the chairman for that potential contract's going to be lost, but not if you've punched the fan in the face because he was abusing the chairman. Like that's a salesman isn't it That's
0: incredible or a con artist like, so, so, have, you, have you heard
2: <laughs> I mean that's what he is basically right he's a con yeah.
0: artist right he's a shy star have you heard this story before I've heard this story is this yeah. a film I, it?
2: I think it is or it's a book um, it's an amazing amazing story and you do have to then wonder is there anyone we know in the Premier League that is getting away with the same I'm trying to think of someone who's There's constantly of, constantly injured to <laughs> there's been people getting away with it for a long time yeah Um, we shouldn't name names but I just want you to have a think about those players that you train with never saw them play a game for whatever reason often injured other things going on never played a game not totally sure that they played many games in the clubs previous to joining you there must be one or two on the brain that there must have question marks marks over more than one or two because this seems like a conceivable plan that you could get away with
0: yeah I think I think you have to have some form of ability right but I think to stay at at, at, at like the level you're at sometimes like there's so many players that I know that could have played they think oh I might get injured or you know they, they, they had a they had a weak mentality but they had some talent but I think you do have to have some talent you know you can't I don't know how you'd blag it for this long without any talent. But you must have some. I, I, I know some players that have got away with with pulling out of, of games where they, they could play, without doubt.
4: His Wikipedia page is a thing of beauty. So, youth career, Botafogo, Flamengo. Then, look oh at the amount God. of clubs. And every single club, zero appearance, zero goal. Yeah.
0: Look at this. He's not played one game. But that's how
4: he's done it. Like, they've... <laughs>
0: He's played from 79 <laughs> to 92. <laughs> and he hasn't played one game. And just to clarify, the red
4: card for jumping into the um, crowd and punching someone in the face, he wasn't on the pitch.
2: Yeah. It did it before coming on? He just heard that he was coming on.
0: This right is absolutely him. incredible. I didn't, I thought this was a blag. How, how have Flamengo bought him <laughs> twice? <laughs> I can't believe it. 79. Um, Puebla. he played for. Botafogo, Flamingo, Independiente, big side. Bangu, Aja- Ajacio, Flamingo again. Bangu, Fluminese, Vasco da Gama. He, he hit the big time. Six shooters American America, then he finished his career at Botafogo. Not one appearance. <laughs> that's the dream career that is absolutely all that money everything I can't believe nicknamed the Kaiser due to his resemblance to Franz Beckenbauer <laughs> <laughs> what a man <laughs> uh, there's not a film made there has to be one well, if there's not a
2: film made we need to make it wow that's, that's what's clear but this I, I is think there is
0: incredible there is a film here look yeah. in November 2015 Kaiser signed an exclusive agreement with UK production company Nods and Volley Entertainment uh, tell his story on media. Cinematic release was completed in tw- in December 2016. Mm. Kaiser, the greatest footballer never to play football, That's it. had yeah. its world fil- film um, premiere at a Tribeca Film Festival on uh, 21st of April 2018. Film features contributions from Carlos Alberto Zico, Bebeto Junior, and Ricardo Rocha. Well, I know what you're watching. I am going home to watch. It. <laughs> Our man can blag a almost 20-year football career. <laughs> astounded me
2: great well look lots of conspiracies we got through there coming up very shortly we have our world exclusive with a chef that was involved in lasagna gate uh, some serious investigative journalism uh from us on that peter crouch podcast uh before we do that should we just do a couple of messages that you guys have sent in And thank you so much to everyone that keeps sending us messages. As always, feel free to slide into the DMs uh, on our socials, any of us individually, uh, or you can email us. uh, The email address is peter.crouch at acast.com.
0: Yeah, just flying into a few because we love the messages. Uh, There's a message here from Dom. He says, I was once walking home from work and I spotted a guy in a high viz who wanted to overtake. So I caught up with him and overtook. A few minutes later, he overtook me and the race was on. Um, the back and forth overtaking each other continued for a fair distance, and ended up walking half a mile past my house so I could win the race. <laughs> <laughs> What's great about that is the other person might not have even. Uh, do you know? What he I mean? knew, he, knew, he definitely did. Dom, he? Dom, that's fantastic, mate. Yeah. He's gone past his house. That's yeah. how committed he was to the race. Well done, Dom. Um, but yeah,
2: we're into that, and at least you won, Dom. That's the main thing, you know. Yeah, you got to put your heart face
0: on mine, haven't you? Save face yeah. on the on Good. the uh, on the home time run. Good on you.
4: So we have been having a lot of people getting involved with their walking experiences. I've got one here from Ben, message from Ben. Every morning walking to uni, I choose the same guy walking up the hill to race. So far it's 8-7 <laughs> to him, up. but I'll get my chumba-wumba moment. Walking should definitely be in the Olympics, and it's far more impressive than swimming. Because nearly everyone can walk, but not everyone can swim.
2: We do have to point out, we've had quite a lot of messages from uh, people that are well into their professional walking. Offended walkers. Kind of offended at what you were saying. Uh, Basically, calling you out and saying, Well, let's see what you could do out on the, which I would actually love to see. um, Because it's all very well threatening Crouchy uh, if you are a professional walker. But until you've seen what he can actually do. I think he's built for it, really. Come Come
0: and walk past
2: me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've thrown it out there. (laughs) Throw it out there and just say, Yeah, you're right. Like, challenge anyone listening right now to walk. Past you at speed. The second, and here's the thing: if you walk past I'll Crouchy, know, I'll know. Yeah, walk past Crouchy, just turn round, nod, and it's on. <laughs> crouchy, you you will then be engaged in a race with Crouchy. If you see me about,
0: walk past me fast. I'll know. Yeah, you won't get very far. <laughs> This is going to be the new You know where we've got Everyone to kiss your ring Yeah mate That kiss the ring Still goes on you know right? I still Every now and then Someone comes over And tries to kiss the ring Covid thank god Put fucking pain to it But um, Yeah the kiss the ring Thing was Yeah but I'm going to have Some oh. mad Mad bastards Walking really fast Parts <laughs> I've got the kid's that. Like, like, no, you'll have to leave, them. Like, yeah. a leave race, them. A race is a race, Stay crouch, away yeah. from the road. Yeah. <laughs> back up right into that garden. Yeah. Let, me just, deal
2: with it. Let me just deal with this person. I'll be right back. <laughs> great. Should we do one more? I've, I've got one about a nickname here. Oh, great. We love them. I know Listen, you love these, uh, Crouchy. Message from Ben. Says, I used to work with someone called Peter Alcock. So we nicknamed him Peter Beer Willie. Oh, Everybody.
0: it's... it's <laughs> it's standard but it works so incredibly well yeah. um, it was, yeah. it's like well, we used to play that game on the train I think we talked about this before but you know the stops So like cockfosters would always be Vagina Heineken <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh that's that's a great game
0: it's a great game if you're a ball on the tube you just gotta say a word like back to front like differently and get them to guess it oh I love that it's a good game
2: one more quick nickname uh, it's from Neil here. It says he used to play five a side with a lad we called Jigsaw because it would fall to pieces in the box.
0: Perfect, perfect.
2: That's that's clever. That's back that's back to form. Back to
0: that. <sighs> yeah.
2: All right, Lasagna Gates. Um, I think we're going to hand over now uh, to the serious part of this podcast, and we'd like you all to join in with this. Uh, Be serious. This is our attempt to, at uh, investigative journalism, hard hitting stuff that you get in a lot of other podcasts, and it's about one of the most famous incidents conspiracies in football lasagna gates
0: mm. yeah this is you know we're, we're a football po- podcast mainly and there's some comedy in it at times but this is where we go all true crime um, this is something that we wanted to investigate um, we've managed to get the exclusive on it and we're going to do this fucking thing properly yeah <laughs> Thanks for coming down today. I really appreciate it. I know it's taken a lot for you to um, be able to speak on this subject. Um, let's go back to
3: 2006. And how did that day begin for you? It was just like a normal day. <laughs> the team got in, 6.30. Business as usual. We knew we had Tottenham were in the house. And uh, the day went smoothly until certain events unfold.
0: So how how does it, I mean, do you regularly have football teams stay in the hotel that you are a chef in?
3: Yes, we do.
2: And what was your role in the kitchen that day?
3: I was part of a team of six people who were looking after the morning service and also the hospitality, which included Tottenham Hotspur.
2: Talk us through a normal morning when you turn up at work. Uh, How did you prepare to... um,
3: create the lasagna well lasagna takes quite a few days to do properly you know it's a big process there's a team of six not only was it the lasagna there was salads and other things we had to prepare and to make a good ragu takes three hours to prepare for the team and we're happy with the flavor it went talk, very well. talk
2: us through that process
3: well firstly you split off some onions some garlic then you have your beef mince, which is browned off and then you mix it together and then with a little bit of love you add some to chopped tomatoes tomato puree and then let it cook down nice and gentle until you get the finished result of a beautiful lasagna
4: so we've got to talk numbers temperatures
3: temperatures about 180 degrees which is about gas for for about 35 to 40 minutes depending on size of lasagna
0: so we, we'd obviously have to get verification on those numbers but Um, Was there there anything different on this occasion?
3: Just the people I was cooking for. Nothing. The recipe was followed. Everything was accurate, everything was weighed. We stuck to the detail and the brief.
0: So where do you think things went horribly
3: wrong? We all know
0: what obviously happened that fateful day in 2006. Um, When did you realise something was drastically wrong?
3: It was around one o'clock when the news broke. I was coming to the end of my shift, and I remember going to the pub, I had a shot of whiskeys taking the news, got home, and then I remember my parents coming in and saying, what's wrong? I was sitting there watching Gillette Soccer Saturday, and said, look at the TV, and then it just spiralled after that.
2: Obviously, events unfold in quite a dramatic way that afternoon, player after player was taken down by uh, a lasagna. Going back to the actual preparation of the lasagna, was there anything unusual about the vegetables?
3: No, they were not wonky carrots or onions. They were fresh, seasonal ingredients, which was used for the dish.
4: What about the team that pre- prepared the lasagna? Any Arsenal fans in there?
3: I can't remember, I'm afraid. Can I ask you who you support? I support West
2: Ham. Was there anyone different in the team that day? Did anyone enter the kitchen?
3: No, it was our usual team. Experienced chefs and young commies. And they were very experienced and they've done lasagnas and other foods many times before. Do you have an opinion on what took place? The opinion is that everything was followed to a procedure. The hotel was nice and clean. I believe it was just something that's very unfortunate that happened to happen to certain people.
0: But you have to understand that <clears throat> these players players that I know characters that I know have gone into your establishment fine and left feeling very very unwell on the eve of a massive game to potentially get Tottenham into the Champions League um, with bitter rivals Arsenal chomping at their tails do you understand where this lasagna gate has come from?
3: I understand the sincerity of the the magnitude of the game. It's also, unfortunately, these things happen. It was a very surreal and unique occasion. And unfortunately, that's something we could not have foreseen.
0: Chef, I'm going to be straight to the point here. Did you poison that lasagna? Categorically, no. Did you or any of your team tamper with the lasagna? No. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Are you only talking now because up until now you have been silenced?
3: It's taken 17 years to get to this point to explain the story of what happened. It's something that I had to get off the chest to prove innocence. What do you remember from the fallout when you were watching um, Soccer Saturday? Do
0: you remember any specific headlines?
3: One that stood out was uh, a newspaper article that was. A twist on the name of the hotel. It was Tottenham as sick as a Marriott. <laughs> I didn't find that very funny. I okay. agree. It's not. What's made you want to come here today and, and talk to us about this? In my opinion and point of view, I want to put this lasagna gate to bed. It's something that's been with me for 17 years. and it's something that's scarred me throughout my career. And to get to this stage now has taken a lot of confidence and belief in my ability as a chef to talk to you now.
2: You're a chef in some top-quality establishments right now, right? People are eating your food every day.
3: People are eating the food, including lasagna, which is a signature dish currently on the menu.
2: You still make lasagna?
3: Still make lasagna, but I don't eat it. It scarred me. I cannot taste lasagna or even Italian food. Just the thought of it does put me off.
0: Do you have anything to say to... Um, fans of, of Spurs or, or Arsenal or West Ham for that matter
3: Being a football fan myself I can understand the emotions that people go through with their team especially last game of the season and as I stated before this was a surreal, unique occasion it came out, it wasn't lasagna it was an illness which unfortunately the Tottenham players received
4: If West Ham were about to win the Premier League and they faced Tottenham in the last game and you again were
0: cooking for Tottenham
3: would you poison them? Categorically, no.
0: Did you at any stage see Arsene Wenger in the kitchen? No.
2: For anyone listening or or watching this right now who might accuse you of being unauthentic, what can you tell us about that day that can prove you were a chef in that kitchen?
3: I remember after the incident happened, police turned up, EHO, the environmental health officers turned up, and then the media got involved phoning up pretending to be job agencies, asking to speak to chefs. People were coming in the restaurant taking photos of us. Just thinking about it now. Just hurts me. Well,
0: chef, thanks for coming again today. I know we've uh, obscured your identity uh, and changed your
3: voice. um, And I appreciate your bravery. Thank you. It means a lot to be here today to explain my side of the story.
0: Just, you know, I'd, whatever he's done, he's done. Um, I'd like to thank him for his honesty. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it was hard for him to come out and speak to us. Um, and obviously that's why we we decided to conceal his identity and his voice.
2: We did. And we should say as well, when you see this on uh, social, um, obviously the full video will be out by the time you're listening to this on the podcast. And you may well have seen the uh, little teasers that have been going out. We have his identity mm. as well in uh, a uh, mask that you managed to source crouchy
0: yeah, the Masked singer were kind enough to to lend me um one of the outfits um and of course we wanted to we' didn't want him to feel under any threat at any stage you know we just wanted the information and then we passed that over and and give that to you the listener
4: yeah is there any other theories or conspiracies that listeners want to get in touch with for us to solve Cause I think we're Got some good momentum there.
0: Well, you know the the fact that he feels he can open up to us is a you know is a big is a big step in the right direction. Um, you know whether or not we uncovered any of it, um, you know it's our job just to bring it to the fore, make it make people aware of it.
2: Yeah, it'd be good to know if there are. I think you're right, Dave. Like any examples of questions that have never truly been answered in football, like do a bit of digging, um, maybe do a little bit of research. And if you would like us to get to the bottom of it, of course we
0: can do that. Just send us an email. Peter, what's the email? Uh, it's peter.crouch.acast.com yeah. or of course through the website uh, thatpetercrouchpodcast.com
2: Heavy stuff this podcast mm-hmm. guys. Let's hope we're still going for next week's podcast. Uh, I think we're fine. I uh, assume if this has gone out it's been run by some sort of... Uh, Uh, well it won't have been run by lawyers we haven't got (laughs) it
0: nobody nobody will go through this we're going to put it out and see
2: what happens but if you are an aggressive lawyer listening to this just leave us alone Um, yeah it's all alleged
4: and we did find it all from the internet nothing's true
0: and the Guardian yeah Um, (laughs) cool
2: Chumbawamba everyone Chumba Chumba Chumbawamba
0: This episode is brought to you by a load of pricks.net. We are the experts in selling houses. Chris couldn't sell his house. What did you do, Chris? I couldn't sell my house
2: for love nor money, Crouchy. Three different offers I had, all at the last minute, fell through. I turned around to my wife and said, what can we do to sell this house? Every estate agent is failing us. Then I told her, let's go to a load of pricks.net. But Chris, what did a load of pricks do for you?